Welcome to the Which Was Better podcast, where we discuss and decide which was better, the book or the movie. This week, to kick off wedding season, we have our first non-Hallmark pairing of Asking for Trouble slash The Wedding Date. I'm your host, Lisa, and I'm super excited to welcome back Ryan from Ryan Reads. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for coming back. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited. I was like, hopefully people that do this once won't be scared off and will want to come back. (laughs) Never. I think it's almost like, oh, man, those other people are so good. I'm never going to get asked again. (laughs) 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 It's funny you say that because I conned my sister into doing one of these episodes, which I haven't released that episode yet. And by the time this comes out, it will have come out. But I conned her into doing it. And she kept saying, I don't know, everybody that's come out so far is super like good at it. And I'm like, come on, just come on and talk about Hallmark movies with me. Um, So yeah, but I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you for your time. And we can maybe have a future episode that's about the imposter syndrome and then (laughs) just wrap it all together. It'd be great. Yes. I also want, and um, the, um, I, I got to chat with one half of um, One Kiss Means Forever podcast. Her name is Hannah, and she had a great idea, and I had actually had it on my list of things about doing um, a podcast about movies or books that we wish were made into movies. Yes. And that could be that could go on forever. <laughs> I've already got a list. I may have a stack over here to the side. And I'm like, if we get time to talk about other books, I've got a whole stack over here on the ready. <laughs> For real. So I'm like, there's so many little one-offs that we could do. So yes, I will. I will be clogging up your inbox with ideas and like, come on, come back. <laughs> um, But today, we are going to talk about Asking for Trouble, which was made into a movie called The Wedding Date. And I'm not sure how many people are familiar with The Wedding Date, but I love that movie. I love loved yes. it for a long time now. So and I, have to say, um, I mentioned to a couple of people that we were doing this and they and they automatically remembered the movie. So I think you are yes. I think you're spot on with that. Okay, good. Okay. So what came first for you? Was it the book or the movie? Because the book came out a few years before the movie. So which one was first for you? The movie. And I think I came to it similar to when you mentioned it to me, just watching it one day and sitting in the credits. And I'm like, wait, what? And so <laughs> Lo and behold, it's where it all began. Gotcha. Okay. So, the, okay. So, because the movie came out in 20, 2005, and I'm going to do a summary of both in just, just a minute, but the movie came out in 2005, and I looked up the book, and the book came out in 2001. So, this was kind of, that book, the book came out around the same time, well, not actually around the same time, a little bit later after the whole Bridget Jones diary explosion of that, you know, single woman confessional Mm -hmm. journal type we just put it all out there and it's messy type thing were were you into those kind of books back in the day yes and I think you definitely feel kind of the vibe from the book specific specifically too as we go through but yes yeah I I, as I was reading it um I, I got such like flashbacks to this the the era of these um I hate and I hate this phrase chiclet I hate it I hated it then I hate it now <laughs> um but that whole era around that time because Bridget Jones came out and people just went you know bonkers for it and it was just like that was the style for a while and um you know I I admit that was it, it was in my I was in my 20s when those were very popular and so I admit I gravitated towards those a lot because uh, being that age I was like I don't want to read romance books you won't catch me in the romance aisle I read <laughs> women's fiction you know just real snobbish about the whole thing and now I'm like give me all the romance books <laughs> right come at me we can talk about it where we you know, do not judge anybody's choice of reading yeah you know it was just I fully admit I was such a snob about it and I only wanted to read the trade paperback style you know funny rom-com type things and now I'm like oh no I it's straight up just all romance like yes and with the mystery a cozy mystery Yes. Tucked in there. I got to have my murder every once in a while. <laughs> Lots of love, a little murder sprinkled in. <laughs> the side. You know. 
yeah, yeah, but I feel like a lot of these at that time, though, were so focused about women's looks and bodies. Like, you know. Yes. And I I kind of, you know, as much as I, I was super intimate at the time, it was a very short-lived relationship. Right. Because... Well, it goes a long way, I think, with that whole, like, experience of reading, I'll say. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I remember f- getting kind of tired of that type of trope of I need to lose weight to get the guy. And that's when I found um, Sophie Kinsella, which mm-hmm. hers was, I got to stop spending money <laughs> <laughs> with her shopaholic series. And I was like, finally, this cute little rom-com where she's not trying to lose weight, she's trying to stop spending money. <laughs> and I became obsessed there, but. <laughs> and then I bought all the books, which was really kind of an opposite, but still it worked. <laughs> I did. I, I fell down the Sophie Kinsella rabbit hole. And then I actually went and read her other catalog under her other name. Oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with her. But okay. But I, I digress. I'm sorry. So before, let me go back and do the summary. So the book was written by Elizabeth Young and it was published September 4th, 2001. And the uh, summary is... Okay, prepare yourself because this is long and it's a lot. Right. I mean, the story is. The story is a lot. This book is really long. It's Um, not what you're expecting, but for all the best reasons. Right. So, okay. So it's unmarried 30 year old Sophie Metcalf told a little white lie to soothe her nagging mother. The white lie's name was Dominic, the ideal boyfriend, charming, successful, the kind of prospective son-in-law that would make any mother proud. But now this, now that Sophie's thin and beautiful sister Belinda is getting married, Dominic is going to have to make an appearance in the flesh, which should be a pretty neat trick since the genuine article vanished from Sophie's life after a single, singularly unmemorable evening. So she resorts to a very drastic measure, a.k.a. Josh Carmichael, the escort she hires at the very last minute, sight unseen. But the trouble with white lies is that they tend to multiply. The trouble with rugged, too sexy, and independent Josh is, well, that Sophie's actually beginning to like him. Even if they make it through the wedding day from hell together, with its new intrigues, old flames, and all-too-familiar faces, there's the night that follows, and of course, the morning after. And that could end up being the biggest trouble of all. <sighs> I mean, they say it right up front. They're like, oh, well, she's big and her skinny sister's getting married. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, an appearance in the flesh. Yes. All the all the things. But, you know, I know we're not ready to dive into all of the, the plot and the books, but I like that she gets called on that. <laughs> Yeah, story, right? A I lot. Think, yes. They're like, enough already. You're not even big. Stop it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. so, yeah, I mean, okay. So, and then the movie, it was released on February 4th, 2005, and stars Deborah Messing as Kat Ellis and Dermot, Dermot Mulroney as Nick Mercer. Also starring, it also starred Amy Adams, Jack Davenport, Holland Taylor. Um, you know, there's a bunch of names in there. So the summary for this is single girl anxiety cause, causes Kat Ellis to hire a male escort to pose as her boyfriend at her sister's wedding. Her plan, an attempt, her plan, an attempt to dupe her ex-fiance who dumped her a couple years prior proves to be her undoing. <laughs> That's all you get. That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. all you get. And if you, honestly, if you didn't know that these were... You would never have guessed because not only, you know, the summaries don't match up, but the names don't. They're completely right. different. And the, I mean, there's, it's a, there's so much too that from like the characterization and the plot and even the location ish. Yes. It makes it so different. Yes. So that's the first thing I wanted to talk about is the different names and the different jobs. So the different names are lead in the book is Sophie and in the movie it's Cat, played by Deborah Messing. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know why names like this get changed. I, I don't understand. Like, if you're going to base it off a book, why not? I, I get I've said this many times on this podcast already. I get combining characters. I get 
leaving characters out. I get that. But just straight up changing names and occupations and... I don't get it. <laughs> well, especially when so much doesn't seem to really you know, like be pivotal to the plot because right. like the names aren't going to change like believability from living in the United States to living in England between Sophie and Kat, um, as well as the occupation. So Kat, I believe, is in works somehow for the airlines. Yes. <laughs> when we get like 30 seconds at the begin, which really was just, you know, her being nice and that, I mean, we could have gotten yeah. any anyway. Um, and then I feel like Sophie, was she in HR? It sounded like it, like, or that she is hilarious in many ways, but (laughs) I couldn't really figure. I was like, she's in HR, but maybe she also fills jobs. Like, it's not just yes, and she's constantly being asked to go on this bizarre corporate retreat in the woods. (laughs) Right, which yeah, that sounds about right too. Uh, But she has a day job. She has a yeah. day. That's that's essentially it. She works in an office. She has a day job. Right. And so the lead in the story in uh is Josh Carmichael, who for part of the story is also known as Dominic because this is the man she's made up. And in the and in the movie, uh his name is Nick Mercer, played by Dermot Mul- Mulroney. <laughs> You know, it's right there and I see it and in my head I can say it, but when I go to say it out loud, it just right. it comes out like mush. I, I don't know why. But I'm going to say it wrong, even though you can see it, right? But, yeah. um, but I think it's him himself. Do you think he's attractive? I think that he would be very imitating, intimidating to talk to because like... Like those like, eyes, like focused oh on you. I think of like a deer in the headlights. Yes. I've always and, thought he was very attractive. And so I would be like, oh my God, if he showed up right. as my date for hire, I'd be like, what? <laughs> well, Lisa, have I got a surprise for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have that kind of, it's, no, I don't have that kind of pull, but um <laughs> But, and also that was really that part of the movie or that the movie in that time period, like he was in, he was in that other, like the wedding, the other wedding movie, wasn't he with um, Julia Roberts or my thing? Yes. My best friend's wedding. Yes. So, I mean, there's like this time period and that, that genre, but no, a hundred percent, like he could say like six lines and in that movie and that's all that we needed. He didn't, there's just, that was it. Yeah, I just I was like, this isn't fair. I mean, I appreciate getting to watch him for two hours. Right. Play. This was a lot yeah. of work you asked me to do here, Lisa. Um, <laughs> no, taking one for the team here. Exactly. And I, and I just kept writing down like his lines because I. Yeah, and uh, and one of the things too is that you know like he does he does just sell it. I mean, both in like what he's presented as being. You know, mm-hmm. Nick Mercer and Dominic slash Josh are very, I mean, I think these are the pivotal differences between the movie and the book. So in my mind, too, that we have one, just Nick is Nick. Yeah. Versus, um, hi, meet Dominic. You know, we got to remember to call him Dominic because he's actually right. Josh. Right. Right. And, I mean, yes, and, and their professions are different because in the book, Josh... <laughs> I mean, spoiler. Now, should I say spoiler? This came out 20 years ago. If you haven't read it by now, I'm sorry. But, um, you, you know, you find. Pause. You plan to read it. That's fine. Yes, because there is a revelation that, you know, he's not really an escort. And you find out why he actually took the job, you know, and, and you find out a lot about his past. And it, it, it's just it's very different from the movie where in the movie. Nick is straight up an escort. He's like, yes, this is what I do. And he's profiled in this big fancy magazine. And this is how Kat finds him and tries to, you know, and works her magic to get him to come, you know, escort her to this wedding. But yeah, so those right there are already very different. And I will say that in the book, you know, the whole time there's that tension there of people, because you know people have to find out. Eventually they're going to find out who he really is and it's going to, you know, come out that it was all fake. The whole thing is a fake boyfriend trope and you know that those just always end up with a reveal. And so the whole time you're just thinking, oh God, when is it going to happen? You think it's going to be this big dramatic thing and it's so simple and careless how it comes out in the book. And yet it's devastating because you're like, oh, Oh God! Right. And it all starts to unfold and fall apart, and you're just like, 
Oh my God. But we don't get that in the movie. No, not even, not even a hint of there being something, um, you know, not real in their relationship for that. The others are seeing. Right. There's there's one small scene towards the end when Nick is sitting down with Kat's stepfather mm-hmm. and he says, I know this is going to sound weird, but can I date your daughter? And he's like, I thought you already were. And they both lean back, just kind of sizing each other up. I'm right. like, so does he know? Like, So I would like to talk about the stepfather Okay. (laughs) at some point, whether we can do it now or later, but he was very interesting in many ways in this movie. Yes. Yes. Let's go ahead and talk about it because he is very different. Like the backgrounds in these movies, like the family backgrounds are very different. And that goes along with the different characters and the different names, because in the book, um, Sophie, her parents are they haven't been divorced. They've been together forever. They still live in the same, you know, childhood home. And there's, they all live in England. Cats, cat, Sophie slash cat does not live in the United States and comes back for her sister's wedding. It's all in England. And so there's already that huge difference there. So, but you're right in the movie. Um, she's in this cats in the States, you know, her mom, I guess her, I guess her mom is American. And her dad is English, right? And they got married, and she moved to England, and then they had the sister. Yes, which in the movie, in the book, her name is Belinda, but in the in the movie, her name is Amy, which is her real name. So it shouldn't be too hard to forget. I don't know how I forgot that. Hello, (laughs) but but yeah. So I guess so. I guess you know that's how they're half sisters, right? Which is again kind of a. Like, like when you think about why, how you take a, a novel into a screenplay and like mm-hmm. where the motivations are and where the, the relationships differ or there's tension or, or competitiveness, it's interesting that that, they, that that decision was made. Let's turn this right. into a step family or a half sister and like versus in the book where it's um, just a lot of comparison between her and the seemingly perfect um, Belinda, who still lives at home and can do no wrong, and also um, a lot of Sophie's motivations in terms of even developing the lie. It's not only for preparing for the wedding, but it's also the keeping up with the Joneses because mm-hmm. the mother and her frenemy, who they're yeah. always arguing, you know, like trying to run up with each other, and so that was a part of like why she keep kept perpetuating this lie of no Dominic he can't make it because he had bad seafood last night and Dominic had to go out of it (laughs) he had business in like Portugal or something right it was was such random stuff yes and I think that to me that was like the charm of Sophie too is that like her her lies just kept like going on top of each other in like the most ridiculous ways it was so overly dramatic when it's like it could have just been like oh you know he just couldn't make it or I don't have a boyfriend I'm sorry sorry because there were times when she was when she would when in the book when sophie was like i mean i don't know how i'm gonna break up them like he's fake just break up with him i'm sorry well he broke up because there's no chance that or any of her family is gonna run into him because he's made up i mean right. you find out technically he's not made up technically they did her and a Dominic did meet at a party and everybody was super drunk and they just had a moment. They didn't, nothing happened between them, but they just had a moment and she drunkenly wrote her phone number on his arm in like Sharpie or something right. <laughs> and he never called. So when her mom is like, well, why aren't you seeing anybody? She draws on him and says, oh yes, I did. I've been dating a guy named Dominic. <laughs> and it right. all snowballs from there. <laughs> right. I think snowball is a really great term for a lot of the things that happened to Sophie. Um, oh my gosh. Her yarns and how she was, it, you know, they just kept expanding. Um, you know, and then juxtaposed to the movie where uh, Kat is bringing is like specifically bringing someone with her because she knows her ex-fiance is the best man right yes and you know the i have so much okay i want to we'll get into that in a minute because i want to talk about the ex-boyfriend we'll get there but yes there's so much that goes on in that whole realm but i i think part of the reason why the book made me so tense the whole time is because lying books just make me tense because you know 
it's all going to unfold and unravel. And it's just, you're just waiting for that moment. And I just, it makes me so tense when people are just lying and then they have to lie to cover up those lies. And then they bring in other people with their lies. Yes. I actually, you, you feel like empathetic for them. And I see this with my son when we watch shows, when the characters are making bad choices, because he starts to like shriek up and that's how you feel when reading it. And I will have to say that thank you, Sophie and Josh, for at least like knowing that like they were feeling bad as it was happening. I I did appreciate that. And I, I think part of the reason why we get so frustrated is not only because of the line, but because Sophie would just overreact to everything that was happening. And I'm like, if you would just stop and look at what Josh is doing for you (laughs) and all the things, all the hoops he's jumping through to make sure that your lie is being pulled off, that you would realize a lot sooner that maybe he's into you and we wouldn't have to go through a lot of what we went through, (laughs) but I get it. That's the book. That's the choices. But anyways, let's get back to the family. So you were saying the father, yes, because in the book, her parents are still married and in the movie, stepdad and you were going to talk about the so interesting the step, stepdad well the stepdad is interesting because he he had read the same article that cat did yes what about so, the escort and i'm like right and he quotes the article to nick awkward much as well yeah. as kind of these like um innuendo type like conversations that he has to nick about you know the boat and like where they had spent a, an evening and various things that I was like, what is happening? And, you know, so there was that, but I, I did love that scene that you mentioned with um, Nick and to make sure you get all the names right, Nick and the stepfather at the pre-wedding hors d'oeuvres or whatever, um, because they had just had a scene before where Kat says to Nick, like, you know, everything about me, I don't know anything about you. And then yes, like three of his lines that are, you know, the, you know, like those basically saying that he likes her for her, but also um, that he doesn't like anchovies. Yes. So then, then we're at the scene where he sits down with the dad and he, you know, takes an anchovy and then he like hides it behind the cup. <laughs> and, then, and then he says, I'd like to date your daughter. And then he's like, I thought you already were. And then he takes the anchovy and he eats it. You know, yes. like, did they just, is that, did now he, does he know the truth? Because <laughs> he read the article and now he knows, you don't know. Anyway, so yes. really like, like all the stuff was happening in that one scene. And it was so interesting to me. It was very, it was, I still don't really fully understand that scene. Because I just, every time I watch it, even now I'm, I'm thinking, what is what is the dad getting at that you know like does he know does he not know is he suspicious like what is what is happening and about the anchovy bit because he's like forcing them on him like here i know he's like here shoving him in his face you know the nice thing about in the movie though is that since nick fully is who he is he doesn't have to change names and we don't have to go through that whole debacle of his real name is this and his whatever you know um but I will say that I really loved the relationship in the movie between Kat and her and her stepdad. Mm-hmm. I just I loved how they interacted with each other. You know, in the book, it's a lot more of um, Kat. Um, Kat, it's it's terrible that they changed names on us. Um, it, it's Sophie kind of passive aggressive with her mom because her mom is very very um, not manipulative, just very. Um, she has her ways and she she's intrusive and everybody tries to make her feel good and tries to dance around her and at one point you know so it's a lot more their interactions and so there's a point where in the book Sophie um really hurts her mom's feelings she's Mm -hmm. stressed out she lashes out at her and then her dad you know, eventually comes into the picture and is like, hey, you need to be nice to your mom. And it makes her feel terrible. And like you said earlier, they feel these these characters genuinely feel bad for lying to the people in their lives. And that's part of the reason why I'm like, then just stop it. <laughs> True. <laughs> just stop it. Oh, it just makes me so uncomfortable. But yeah, I don't think the relationship is the same in the book. I mean, of course, she likes her, you know, she loves her parents. I mean, of course that, but. 
there is a there's a point towards the end when things have totally fallen apart where her, she where um Sophie basically is like I'm never going home again. I don't need to see these people anymore. And that did make me sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all works out, but yeah. There was there was a moment there that and I think it's important too to note that not only is the book, you know, longer than the movie, but it covers a wider span of time because the the movie is the weekend. Right. I was just going to say that that the yeah. movie starts in around about a third of the book and it only centers around the wedding and the wedding activities whereas in the book it's the lead up to the wedding, it's the planning of the wedding, it's the wedding, it's after the wedding, it's way after the year. You just, there's so much that's involved and it's, it's a lot more. I like, I, I kept thinking as I was reading the book, I was like, oh my gosh, this wedding's going to take forever. And then it dawns on me, oh wait, the wedding's done. Like, mm-hmm. now what? Now what are we going to talk about? Because <laughs> the movie is only the wedding. Right. Well, right. And, you know, and it's interesting how the, 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 the things that do connect the two, the book and the movie, like they do, uh, they do appear and then they do come up later in terms of the, um, the major conflict between Kat and her sister, Amy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And which actually was happening like right before the wedding in the movie. And how they, you know, and how that played out and how the reveal happened, which in the book happens later, which we can, right. you know, could what is needed. Um, you know, and so I think those two things and how they tied together were, it was interesting if you really look at like the major plot points that were the same and right. where they happened, that was very interesting. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you, because I, I do want to talk about that. Well, we're going to jump in and talk about that big reveal and the big common plot point. But I want to ask you, in the book, Belinda, um, Sophie's sister, is almost um, super non-confrontational. She's she's just very shy, like not sure of herself. Very just, yes, everybody describes her as this like beautiful woman, very intimidating, who has all these boyfriends, but they never last very long. And she's just something is about her is just very wishy-washy and in the movie amy is very different and they are very much pitted against each other in the movie there's a lot of tension between them in the movie and you get the feeling that i mean you you find out in the movie that at one time they were close and then they started not being close at all what did you think about that change because it's very very different Oh, yeah, I think that it is very different. And, you know, obviously it's two sets of relationships, but I'm just thinking about what it means in terms of who we sympathize with and who we, you know, because I think that watching the movie and see how Kat, Amy treats Kat, you know, even at like the different events leading up to and like the subtle competition and the the discussion over the rehearsal dinner about like a fighting over a boy when they were like little little kids you know and Tommy all pee pants exactly <laughs> well, why pee pants but nobody knows poor guy <laughs> but, um, and you know and i think that that gives us more sympathy for cat in the movie um you know but i think in the book, I mean, it's just more nuanced and, and you feel like it's more almost relatable in the book because it's, you know, no one's like evil and good. It's just people are different. It's just life. Yeah. Because right. in the movie, that scene at the beginning when they first, when Kat and Nick first show up at the drinks or whatever, and they're at the bar yes. and Amy's like, can I have that drink? And she makes her push it to her. And then and the put, situation. Oh my gosh. I was like. Are you kidding me? If my sister did that to me, sorry, Stephanie, if you're listening, I would be like, are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Get your own damn drink. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I've been two years and now you take my drink. But actually it would have been the verse because I'm the little sister and she would have been like, uh, no, <laughs> go away. But but I, I, I think you bring up a great point because this is where I want to segue into the big secret. So those of you who watched the movie, you know it gets revealed that Kat's ex-boyfriend, um, Jeremy, he, the reason he broke up with her is because he slept with her sister, Amy, and he broke up with her. And then they actually, Amy and Jeffrey, not Jeremy, sorry, Jeffrey, um, like had an affair for like 
months. And even right at the beginning of Amy's new relationship to her current fiance, they, you know, so you find all that out. And in the, the book, friend, right. The best friend of the best man. So like, right. Right. So that's why she wanted, that's why in the movie she hires the escort. She hires Nick because she, she knows that uh, Jeffrey's going to be there. She doesn't, at this point, she doesn't know why they broke up. She just knows that they were together for seven what, years. Yeah, seven years. And she just wants to make him jealous. And through the course of the weekend, it gets revealed that, oh, yeah, he slept with her sister and they had an affair and he broke it off with her. And you're like, are you? I mean, it's just so villainous and so delicious and so awful. Right. And because of the way Amy's acted so selfish and so spoiled throughout the movie, you just automatically are on Kat's side. You're like, I hate you. Right. <laughs> Whereas in the book, the same thing happens. However, they didn't in the in the book, Sophie's sister Belinda does end up with um, Sophie's ex-boyfriend, Kit. And Sophie was super in love with him and he broke up with her out of what's, what he said, I met someone else. I'm going to be with this other woman named Jacosta. And it turns out that the whole time, you know, Kit and Belinda kind of had this attraction to each other and they had a stolen kiss, but that was it. And they just tried to ignore it because... They were both with other people and they tried to ignore it, but it turns out they couldn't and they end up together. And I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hate her for it. Well, no. And actually I think they tried to avoid it. And then um, the kit then came as a, a wayward guest to the wedding, which, you know, a questionable choice is there, but yes. And, and so she, so, um, Sophie is like, oh, my ex-boyfriend's here. You know, come on, Josh slash Dominic. You know, let's play this up. We're in, we find out later that he's actually very affected by the fact that he's seeing Belinda get married. And so then that plays out with then Belinda seeing him. And then two weeks after the wedding, she leaves her husband. What? We find out is a super big jerk. So it's super good that she jerk. left him. We were really happy to have him voted off the island yes that's fine he yes. could go but no, he supported that you know and in the movie when cat finds out that her sister slept with her boyfriend and their big confrontation scene is just oh my gosh even now when i watch it i i, I get goosebumps deborah messing in that scene is incredible i'm just a hundred percent I mean, when you and I really think that, you know, for all the, you know, the jokes might people might make about rom-coms or whatever, when you see the acting happening right there, because I, I made notes of it even again this time, there's like hardly any dialogue. It's like people looking at each other and like, like, and, and just emotions that you see, like she knows that he knows that she knows. <sighs> and then he finds out that Nick knew just like a matter of hours earlier than that yes. he didn't have yes. no time to say anything. Um, and then he, she turns and looks at him and uh, the hug that he gives. Oh my goodness. It was like. When they're in that room and they're confronting each other, Amy and Kat and Amy has her big, just big blue eyes, just full of tears. And she thinks for a moment that she's going to be forgiven because she does her little, I get away with everything smile. And then Deborah Messing turns on her. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Like, I'm going to be there for you tomorrow. You know, yes. Just, and then just, yeah. Yeah. But don't pretend like I'm going to, I'm not going to pretend like it's okay. Oh my gosh, it's so vicious, but I loved it. However, in the book, when, um, cause Belinda disappears and nobody can find her. She leaves her husband after two weeks, like in their big um, African safari honeymoon. Mm -hmm. She just leaves. So when he returns home, when her husband returns home, he's like, surprise, she's not with me. I don't know where she is. She left me. And the whole family freaks out. And this is right before we everybody finds out who Josh really or who Dominic really is, that he's Josh. I mean, again, this is towards the end of the book. So it's when everything starts unraveling. And um, that's when it comes, you know, it's revealed like 
Sophie finds out where her sister is. So she tries to go to see her. And that's when she figures out Kit is there and they're together and she's going to confront her. And you think it's going to because having watched the movie first, I think they're going to have this big, ugly scene just like that. And they kind of starts that way. But then they start talking and Belinda tells her story and you're just like, oh, my gosh, it's so sad. (laughs) I feel so bad for her. So I I don't know. I I like them both for very different reasons, yes. but they're really they really are hard to compare, but I I do think that one thing I thought about re- reading this book the second time was that did you read um what one night in December? No, but it's on my list. So uh one night in December has um like a couple or like two people that kind of see each other across, like from she's on the bus, he's at the bus station. And then they have like this moment of eyes meeting. And she's like, this is the guy for me. And like tries to find him and find him and find him. She can't find him. And then one day her roommate slash best friend brings home her new boyfriend. (gasps) And it's him. It's him. And so they are basically then like the whole net, like the whole next period of their lives, they're, denying she's denying her feelings for him um she doesn't know what his feelings are and so you actually get like what belinda and kit were experiencing like it's yeah and so i thought that you just like you said it's not like they're awful it's like well no they were doing the best they thought they could and still were miserable and now they're trying to fix it and then everything's awful and then you know belinda and Sophie go home to try to fix things with her, with their parents. Cause the whole family is now in this like very stressful implosion. And so like, how are they going right. to dig out of it? Yeah. Well, cause, and they're all devastated because throughout the, you know, throughout the book, we see Belinda, well, we see Sophie and Belinda's mom as somebody who really only cares about appearances. And it's, you know, deep down, she does love her children and she is, she does care about them, but she's very concerned about how she looks in comparison with her neighbor because her neighbor also has two daughters who also match up with the ages of Sophie and Belinda. And it's always been like a one-upmanship. And so in, early on in the book, you real, you find out that the neighbor's um, oldest daughter who got married, her marriage is falling apart. And everybody's kind of like, oh, well, we get one ups on them because Belinda's about to get married. You know, Belinda's about to get married and Sophie has a great boyfriend. And this is, we're just so much better, but everybody's falling apart. Right. Right. <laughs> everybody's falling apart. And everything isn't what it seems. And it's very, you know, in today's terms, it's very Instagram friendly, but the real story is a lot different than what you see on your timeline. <laughs> Yeah. It's completely different. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I I kept thinking, because I I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, this story would be very different now because of social media. And I just kept thinking, thank God I didn't have social media in college. Thank God it didn't exist when I was in my 20s because. (laughs) And And I tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, listen, you guys are growing up in social media. And I'm telling you right now, nothing can get deleted. Everything lasts on the internet forever. Don't put ridiculous stuff on the internet. Yes. Well, 100%. So it's it's a it's a weird um it's a weird place to be parenting with teenagers just you know now that they're old enough to have their own social media accounts legally. Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay. I'm sorry. I digressed again. No, I'm, I'm actually thinking about that. Too. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. We'll, we'll, yes, uh, we will circle back on that. <laughs> so another another key difference between the book and the movie is the elimination of two characters. Um, in the book, Sophie actually has a roommate. Well, she has two roommates. Technically, one of her. Um, oh, what now? I now I can't think of her best friend's name right. um keep it talking while i find it and we'll it'll be it'll be i can't believe i know her i know the brother his name is ace right so, so in a or a d oh it's alex a l i x and you know how i remember that because there's one point where they didn't catch the 
A-L-E-X. I noticed that too. You yes. did? Okay. I was like, oh, y'all didn't catch this. Y'all trying to make cute with an I-X and y'all didn't catch this E-X in here. But her, her roommate's name is Alex, A-L-I-X. And they're roommates in, at some point early on in the story, you find out that Alex's brother, Ace, which stands for something. And I'm not sure what it is. Andrew or they call him his real name at one point, but it doesn't matter. He also was supposed to just stay there temporarily, but basically he lives there too. And the three of them live together and they all go through this entire ordeal together. Yes. And there, she has a lot more support before, during, after the wedding. And most of it is her best friend saying, please don't do this. Please don't hire an escort to take you. This 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 will not end well. No good can come of this. Please. And then there, her brother Ace is like, "Do it. That'd be awesome." <laughs> You're right. They are almost the the voices that we want to be during that. And you know, just trying to like, hey, you. How do you know this isn't someone? You know, like, are you going to call us when you get there? And type of situation. Yeah, and and. You know, Ace, of course, just being very dude-like is like, do it. That's the, this is your only way out. This is the only reasonable way you can get out of this, <laughs> this whole scenario. And he talks her into it. And, you know, and Sophie ends up going to an escort service and she actually gets paired up with someone else first and she meets him and he's fine. They, they, it's not like a love connection. They're just like, okay, this will work, you know, because when she calls to the escort service, she has to explain her s- situation. So they try and pair her up with somebody that's willing to lie and be someone else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but then he gets sick. He has to have emergency something surgery. And so that's when Josh steps in. And it's, you know, the lies pile up. And at some point, Sophie even... She knows she's attracted to Josh, but she's afraid he'll think that she's desperate because she hired an escort and that she's going to fawn all over him. So she makes up a boy, another boyfriend to him. So now she's got two made up boyfriends. That's right. <laughs> and the second made up boyfriend is based on Ace, her roommate. Right. <laughs> it's just so messy. And we can. Because she can't tell her roommate Alex because she's afraid that Alex will think she's secretly into her brother. So they have to keep their own secrets. I mean, the secrets just. And it does make me laugh just because, you know, and and I think that, you know, like we're we're only in the perspective of Sophie, but we know that that um, Josh slash Dominic is like is on to her. Right. Both. Oh, yeah. And also he's like, Oh yeah, she is telling the most outrageous lies to him, and you know he's just accepting it as fact in the moment. But then later you find out he's he'll come to like try and call her on it. (laughs) And he was like, "Well, I kind of knew you were lying." And you know, it's just it's just madness, and it's so quirky and just um, screwball comedy. Mm-hmm. And they left so much of that out of the movie. Yeah. Granted, the movie is very funny to me. Um, but in in a different, you know, obviously in a different way. Right. But I I do wish they could have inserted a little bit more screwball comedy because as much as I love the movie, honestly, I don't understand why Nick falls for her so hard in that one weekend. Agreed. And I actually have have written that down, too, because it's just all of a sudden, you know, like a couple of lines that he says, like, you know, bearing his soul to her. But I didn't see that develop here. I mean, I don't I don't get it. And, you know, part of part of the reason, you know, in the movie, because there's a point where, you know, she goes out for. um it's a bachelorette party, which I guess, you know, in England, it's called hen night. And she goes out and she gets super drunk and she comes back and, you know, Nick is already back from his bachelor party, which at some point he is at the bachelor party or the stag night and everyone around him is drunk. And they're like, how do you know so much about women? You know, he's like, well, 
I'm a prostitute. And they all just think he's joking. And he's like, okay. <laughs> that was really weird. I mean, he's like, no one's going to remember anything I have to yeah, say. Yeah, he's like, that. fine, I'll just tell everybody. And they all, and, you know, they think he's joking, but so he's back early and when she comes back you know he wakes up and they go out into the boat which is parked in in front of her parents house and they decide to have sex out on that boat and the next morning (laughs) when they get out of the boat and nick is already inside the house and Cat is coming out of the boat and her dad knocks on ahoy matey <laughs> she's like hi dad <laughs> the walk of shame out of that boat. I'm like and the garbage the, the garbage you know cans are being picked up at the same time <laughs> so I love it but it just first of all it makes me laugh because I'm like the dad has to know what they were doing out there. And he's like, ahoy, matey. Right. <laughs> you know, after they forced them to sleep in the same room and, you know, which they were not even wanting to do that. Oh my goodness. You know, and, uh. and so they have, they do have that connection because originally the part of the story is, look, Nick says, if anything physical is going to happen before us, we have to talk terms beforehand because this is how much I get paid. Right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. So when she, is on her way home from her drunken bachelorette party. She's stopping at every ATM and maxing out every ATM to get out as much money as she can. (laughs) But then she comes home and, and, you know, they just naturally, you know, go to the boat and, you know, they have sex and it's not a big deal until the next morning when she realizes, Oh, and that's the point. I wonder if they tried to insert that part of the book where when Sophie is, kind of ashamed to like him because she thinks that he's going to think she's desperate so she tries to hide it because in the movie when when they go back inside and it's you know the night after they slept together and Nick comes in super sweet with like this big tray of food like I don't know what works for you I brought you all of this food and whatever want yes and she just shuts down she's like what happened last night I don't remember what happened and you can see it on his face. The look on his face is like, Ugh. so, I mean, and I wonder if that was their nod to her whole insecurity, because I don't know. I'd have been like, dude, you brought me breakfast. Awesome. And I'd want to talk about it. I'm like, while well, I'm eating breakfast. Right. <laughs> but, you know, script, well, I, I guess. You know. Well, and also, you know, there's a lot of like things that I think would be approached differently today, of course, than it would be 20 years ago, um, you know, because it's like, yeah. um, you know, there should be some conversations happening on the walk to the boat just to make sure everybody's in the right mind and, you know, consent and, and protection. And yes. And, you know, because, you know, she did come home. I mean, she was, they, they had a lot to drink. Yes. And I'm not sure how much hydrating they were doing, but I, I question like, you know, everybody making their best decisions right there. As my friend Janet says, it's called pacer waters. You got to have a pacer water in between your drinks. <laughs> but you know, I do think the one, you know, yes. And I, I think that the Nick Mercer character was very upfront and very, just very direct about this will be discussed prior to yeah. the fact that it wasn't discussed doesn't, didn't make it a non-issue kind of thing. You right. know I mean? um, and on the flip side in the book, there was, you know, since the, the activities were elongated and, and um, Sophie basically begs Nick, I'm sorry, Sophie begs Dominic and Josh to come right. back for another event because, you know, everybody really wants to see him and da 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 da. Um, but then she doesn't know if she should pay him or not. I mean, right. So that awkward tension was there too, just like, am I paying him for this? How do I bring this up? It's so awkward right now, you know? And I thought that was very believable awkwardness about whether or not I'm being paid for this activity. Yes. But she doesn't realize that he's not actually an escort at that point. Right. And that he's genuinely wanting to help her out because he likes her and he really, 
understands that she's in a bind and he rearranges his schedule to help her. And I kept waiting because, again, since I watched the movie before I ever read the book, I kept waiting for that moment where he would find the money and be super offended that she expected to pay him. Because in the movie that happens, he finds the money and he's like, was this for last night? And I'm like, this right. is about to get real ugly. <laughs> but then it, it didn't, though. I mean, it, it did, you know, and they had like this conversation behind the refrigerator door with the stepdad sitting right at the table, which was totally weird. But yes. it's not a sound barrier, you do. Um, I know. I'm like, just because you open the door doesn't mean he can't hear you because right. she's like, what if I didn't want you to do that to me? And he's That's like, right. the money was for you doing it to me. <laughs> I know. I was like, <laughs> I don't know if okay. I'm watching this movie, um, <laughs> but then they, you know, and then then they kind of, but then then they're at the next event, and it's like I would have missed you if I'd never met you, you know, if I I would if I and I don't understand. I, but, I do, yeah, that's my talking to me, and then it makes it all okay. It's fine, <laughs> right? There's. I just, I'm like, maybe if I just squint kind of, like if I squint and look really hard, it's me dancing with him in that dance studio and not Deborah Messing. That's but right. I mean, whatever. certainly all of those um, strapless dresses would not oh my gosh. effortlessly work. I mean, there's no way anything ever stays up as well as those dresses did in that movie. I'm sorry. You know, and I love that when they go dancing, she wears the perfect dancing dress, like that skirt just like whips out and like flows and I'm like, of That's course. That's all that luggage because she took a lot of and it was all empty it was so frustrating because i'm like you can tell every single bag in that scene is straight up empty you could at least stuffed it with paper or something oh man so yeah the last thing i'll say about the comic relief because i think that there's definitely so much that you could have gotten and actually you can't see it here but my tattered copy of this book has all (laughs) i'm like my favorite lines that were just hilarious um but you know at one point in the in the book when they're again forced to sleep in the same bedroom at the parents' house, even though they wouldn't normally have happened. Um, there's like the grandma's old house dress or robe in the bathroom yes. that, that, that Sophie wears because she didn't think to bring anything. She didn't think they'd be sleeping in the same room because her parents would never let that happen. And so she wears it and it's like the most um, frumpy thing ever. And I would that would have been so hilarious in the movie. I mean, Deborah Messing in like a frumpy house dress and then <laughs> for Nick Mercer to be like, Oh, hello. Because yeah, in the book, he's like, is that yours? She's like, yeah, it's mine. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> no, that, was so funny. Uh, that was so funny. Well, you know, because I remember that scene because she she freaks out. She's like, all I brought was a silk nighty nighty because I didn't know we were going to be in the same room together. So she's like, it's either this or this, this or this. And she's like the baby between this and the high neck grandma flannel. I just I love his reaction. He's like, is that yours? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a really good one. Is So that's what I was going to ask you next is what you wished from the book had been in the movie or vice versa. Um, well, definitely that scene from the from the movie. Um, and I think it's so weird to me that there was no reveal that it was a fake boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do think that the movie needed that, even though they just shifted all the conflict into a different place. And that, you know, that's OK. But um, I, I really I really would have liked to had seen that because that also makes them work through some things, too. Right. I agree. I. I it. I can't, I remember watching the movie and I kept thinking for it, the other shoe to drop and that they were going to figure out who he was. And when they never did, I was like, okay. So yes, that would have been a good one. I, for me, you know, just because again, I, I, the movie is so ingrained in me because that's the one I familiarized myself with more. I missed, obviously you can't go back and rewrite the book, but I loved the character of TJ in the movie played by Sarah Parrish, her, the wacky one that ends up being the third wheel and, or the fifth wheel on every. <laughs> oh man. At the, at the dance class, I was like, yes. that is me. Right there. Uh-huh. High school, grades nine through 12. Yep. Never picked. So I'll just be over here, just Handle doing my own there. thing in the corner. Alone. 
<laughs> I thought she was hilarious and I love her in all of her stuff. And mm-hmm. so, yes, I I guess she was a combination of everyone else in the um, in the book because we didn't even touch on the friend. Um, right. Oh, I can't remember her name. Right. right. There's a friend in the in the book that recognizes Josh at the wedding and it turns out she was in love with him when she was a kid. There's that whole side story. And then her, she has a brother who, I mean, it just goes on from there. So. Right. And, and how Sophie just like tells her like, yes, that's actually is Josh. You know, (laughs) she's like, fine. I know she won't, I know she won't wrap me out. I know she'll keep my secret and I need to tell someone because I'm busting here. She's so, tense which in the movie deborah messing does do a good job of playing a very tense anxious person who's afraid that she's going to get caught at any moment just like sophie but she does in the book she does have somebody that she confides in and that person along with the roommates they all help her through this and they all guide her through this and we don't it's just you know in the movie it's just cat Right. On our own. And it's interesting how, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the the physical appearance and the, the you know, body uh, image and that kind of thing that felt like Sophie's character. And I think in the movie, it was a lot of that, like, insecurity, just the, like, you know, lack of confidence mm-hmm. and, that, and like, you know, kind of more of those and how they played out differently in, in, in both the book and the movie. Um which I thought was interesting too. I mean, kind of similar issues, but just addressed in such a different way. Right. Because there never once in the movie, do we hear about Kat's weight or how she was, she could lose weight or not eat. So, I mean, it was, it was, I, I don't, I don't think I realized how much that is talked about until I read, go back and read one of these books from the early aughts, Mm -hmm. because now, you know, the types of romance I read, it's very, you know, body positive. Nobody's talking about losing weight to get the guy. And so to go back and read a book like that now, it was like, oh, my gosh, lady, just eat what you want. Right. So speaking of which, you know, there's a lot of food and drink and well in both, there's a lot of drink in both and food in both. Um, but in the, the book, they kept, she kept eating these wine gums. And I, I know. Like, this wine gum you speak of. So I really tried to get some prior to, because they do have them at some stores that have like um, British foods and special. Yeah. Foods. It's like a gummy bear type of situation. Uh, but I, I blame the pandemic. I couldn't, I couldn't let them, and nobody wants to hear me chewing them during the podcast. So, well, I just, it, I wish when I lived in Dallas, there was this really cozy um, English store. I don't even know if it made it through the pandemic. I don't know if it survived, but that's what they did is that it was just all English, you know, good, like foods, um, just wares from there. It was all imported. And so I bet I could have found them there. However, in the book, she eats them at like eight 30 in the morning. Right. So, you know, and they're, you know, and I really, I loved all of their banter, like their yes. conversations because they do so much driving in the book. And so it's just these funny, like conversations back and forth and him reacting to her oddball things. And then him just being like, you know what? I'm starving. I really could eat something right now. <laughs> yes. Cause she's like, I don't want to pull over and just eat my weight in stuff. And finally he's like, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but I need to eat something. I'm starving. And she's like, thank God. And they go and like gorge out on like a bunch of Oh my gosh. I marked that that part because, because you know, like the works, I, you know, it's something about like, um, you know, like all this, the mere thought of it practically made me shudder. And I'm sorry to disappoint you if you're the organic muesli type, but it wasn't, it wasn't a disgusted, no thanks shudder. It was more the multiple orgasmic type. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes, because he's like, yes, I want the full breakfast. And she's right. like, oh my God, <laughs> I like, found the one. <laughs> but she tries so hard, you know, throughout the the whole like first part of their because in the movie they have to take the flight over and you know they they have to get to the place and so they have all this, but in the in the book they meet and they go to they get in the car and they drive there and so they're just one on one with each other in the car and she tries so hard to just act like she doesn't care. 
and like that she's not desperate and that she's just, you know, so that's that's where all that banter comes from because she doesn't want him to think that she's actually attracted to him, which of course she is because, you know. And I kind of feel like they could, and, and I know that you can't have everything in the movie and there's always time and, but they had that whole flight. They I know. Flight. They could have talked to something. And they put them in different rows. And the only thing that we got was her waking up looking <laughs> terrible. Looking amazing. <laughs> yeah. She's got drool and she's just like all of her like makeup is like smeared and. <laughs> right. And that's right. it. And yeah, they don't have a chance to really get to know each other. So again, my biggest problem is, is why do they like each other? They don't know each other and he's going to give up everything. And now what is he going to do? You can't really put that on a resume. Why do you, sir, why do you have a five-year gap in your employment records? Well, you have this article I wrote for the New York Times. Maybe you've read it and then people have. That's an attachment. That's the attachment to my CV here. Yeah. I think too much about into the future because whenever, you know, happily ever afters are amazing and they're a requirement for romance. And this is not a romance. This is, you know, chiclet. So it's not a requirement. But in the books I read now, it is a requirement. And even though I know it's coming and even though I'm glad they're getting there happily ever after, I'm still always like logistically like, how are y'all really going to stay together? There's still some practicalities that we're we're interested in, you know, like for the future but 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 there are such different entities these two things you know which um but i i yeah kudos that this was made into a movie for one such great bones for a story Um, yeah but you know there's a few things i would have liked to seen in the movie that just to, to bring through that that charm and everything well, yeah, and to also make it make sense of why they end up together, because, in, you know, obviously you have way more real estate in the book to give them to build a relationship, but they rushed it in the movie, in my opinion. I still love it. I still love the movie. But now I have to ask you the big question, which which was better? <sighs> I'm going to say the book. There, of course, there are a few lines that uh, Nick Mercer delivers in a way that no one else can. Mm-hmm. And maybe one brown sweater that he wears, but, um, but I have to say, if I have to, if I have to pick, I'm going to have to go book for this one. You know, it's interesting. I went back and forth and in my notes, I I honestly deleted a lot and I just, I kept going back and forth because as as much as I love the movie and as much as it irritates me in the book about her weight discussions, I love the evolution of their relationship a lot more in the book. So I'm, I'm hearing up with you on this one and I'm saying book. Yay! I cannot believe it because I love the wedding date. I absolutely love it. And it's on HBO max. And I've already like, since we decided to read it and watch it, I've watched it like four times. And will I watch it tonight? Maybe. Will I, will I pull up that scene uh, where the big reveal happens and all those emotions (gasps) happen and he just hugs her with like a clamp of a hug. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. This is my, the librarian and me showing that she has another book. Um, that I really enjoyed too. Okay. Yes. And of course, I can't remember the name of it, but I have it on my shelf at home right now. Um, but Elizabeth Young, you know, I love I love finding gems and, and reading them. So, yeah. Well, see, and this is my first of hers. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe they'll just keep making them into movies. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I do think it would be a great topic for a future episode to talk about movie books that you wish were going to be made into movies it's going to happen it's going to happen i've I've got it on my list of one-offs to do but i think it could be a series because it Mm -hmm. could be i mean christmas alone christmas and the holidays alone you could have a whole so we're we're gonna talk about it yeah we're gonna make that happen and you'll be a part of that conversation thank you All right. Well, we did it. We covered it. And you guys, y'all, if you have watched The Wedding Date, seriously, pick up Asking for Trouble and then 
Let us know what you thought about it. Let us know what you thought about all the differences, the name changes, the location changes, all of it. We would be super interested to know because this was a bit different than what we've typically been covering here on this podcast. Um, not just because it's outside of Hallmark, but this was a large, this was a lot, this was a large change. So, and FYI, if you are interested in this, it is not Hallmark friendly. They get into some, they get into some conversations that are, that are, nah, I wouldn't say rated R. They're probably PG-13. Do you think right. that's fair? I would not listen to the audiobook with my child around. <sighs> no. <laughs> Yes. No, not at all. So there you have it. So, um, Ryan, where can people find you online if they are so inclined? So I am on Instagram at Ryan Reads, R-Y-A-N-N-R-E-A-D-S. And I'm on Twitter at R-Y-U-D-E-N. Yay! Yay. So everybody go check out Ryan's social media accounts. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lisa Fay Co. That's Lisa Fay Co. And you can follow the pod on Twitter and Instagram at Which Was Better, or you can check us out on our website at whichwasbetter.com. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you for everyone who listens and comments and retweets and shares our episodes and just everything that you guys do it's amazing and i'm very very grateful and i'm very appreciative so thank you so much and we will see you next time so bye